There are millions of high school students in the U.S. Somewhere around 15 or 16 million, to be a bit more exact. But not all of those students walk through locker-lined hallways, sit in 20-person classrooms, and count down the seconds until lunch period in the cafeteria. That's right, Brooke. Instead, many students and their families opt for high school learning that happens at home. I'm Becca Haupt-Aldridge from Bucknell University, and in this episode of the College Admissions Insider, we're offering helpful insights for homeschooled students who are navigating the college process. I'm Brooke Thames, also from Bucknell, and today we'll cover the requirements needed to qualify for college, what schools look for in homeschooled applicants, and how you can prove that you're prepared for the next step in your educational journey. Here to guide us through all that and more is Ben Kavanaugh, Associate Director of Admissions for Bucknell. He joined us back in episode 28 to talk about how to make the most of your college counselor visit. Ben works with students from Northeast states like Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire, just to name a few. He reads every application that comes to Bucknell from homeschooled students. Welcome back to the podcast, Ben. Thanks for having me. So there are many reasons why a student or family might opt for homeschooling instead of public or private school. What are some of those circumstances? I think the most common perception the public, I think, has is that people choose to homeschool for religious reasons. You know, and that's certainly a popular reason, and we certainly see a lot of that. And I think, again, the public perception, it's often evangelical Christian families. And again, we do see a lot of that, but we also see other religious denominations, increasingly Muslims as well. But it's not just for religious reasons. I think, you know, sometimes you'll see students homeschool because a lack of or a dissatisfaction with local options in terms of maybe coursework. Sometimes, you know, students may have a learning difference that's not being addressed and, and the parents think they can do a better job themselves. You know, we've seen applicants who maybe they're performers, they're musicians, they're actors, they're artists of some kind, and they travel a lot. So they have a tutor that they've worked with or several tutors. So it's usually not one one size fits all situation. There's lots of different reasons why parents choose to homeschool. Yeah, so many students are on so many different unique paths, and sometimes families opt to really tailor that education to that student. And since one of the benefits of homeschooling is that ability to tailor education to the student, I imagine that curriculum can widely vary. And so when it comes to class and credit requirements for college, are the guidelines any different for homeschooled students? Well, a lot depends on where the student lives. I mean, many states, I think especially, you know, places like Pennsylvania and New York are are much more prescriptive in terms of what parents have to teach versus other parts of the country. So some places, you know, some families are under, you know, a lot more, I guess, scrutiny in terms of what they have to teach or what they have to cover versus other places. But in that, there is more flexibility. You know, if, if you have sort of the traditional single one person parent teaching one child or two or three children, you know, and their child doesn't understand something, they're not going to go on to the next lesson. They're going to work on it until they get it. And I think you know, that's something that's appealing. But at the same token, you know, if the lesson is easily or absorbed that day, then you know, they don't have to spend the whole six or eight hours or whatever it is the students are spending in a school room. They can go on and do something else. So there's a benefit there as well. Are there challenges homeschooled students face when striving to hit the minimum requirements? And how can students and their families make sure that their curriculum is preparing them for higher education? The two biggest challenges that homeschool families typically see are, one, the language requirement. Most Americans aren't fluent in a second language. So, you know, often homeschooling is done in a consortium or it's done through an umbrella agency. So there may be an opportunity to reach out to someone outside the family who may be fluent and can tutor the child. 
The second challenge is usually lab sciences. You know, most homes aren't equipped with, you know, sophisticated science equipment to be able to do the kind of labs that are required in classes like chemistry and biology. So that can also be a challenge. Of course, you know, what some families might do is take dual enrollment classes through a local college, not just foreign language study or lab science, but for more advanced classes as well. AP classes, for example, are, you know, it's a copyright, so you can't exactly, you can order the test, but you can't exactly call your class an AP class without the proper permissions. Usually AP has to audit. They want a curriculum of what you're actually teaching. So families might also use other agencies to take AP classes or again, go through local colleges to take dual enrollment courses to get some of the more advanced coursework. Ben, you talking about lab sciences gave me some really interesting imagery in my head, like a baking soda volcano in the kitchen or pulling a beaker and a Bunsen burner out of your kitchen cabinet. So you're right. It's an entire different way to visualize how students are engaging in schoolwork. And also just a lot of it's just a physical space, you know, having room for those kinds of experiments and, and you know, the breakage. That's always a big expense for us is just the wear and tear of the materials. So you know, having to foot the bill yourself can be tough. Ben, we've talked previously on this podcast about the application review process from the school's point of view and the ways in which application reviewers, you know, get all of these bits of information about a student's education. And with homeschooling situations, I can imagine that information gathering process can look a little different. So will these applicants need to provide a little bit more information than, you know, a public or private school student would about their education? And if so, how can students and families best go about that? I think it's helpful. Many families will provide a list of textbooks or books that were used in each course to get a sense of the reference points the student was studying. I always find that helpful. It's not like we're sitting there judging, oh, that's the third edition of Tim's. They should be using the fifth. You know, that's not really the point. But it's interesting to see what books students are reading. And it's also good to see kind of, and I think this is especially true when the parent fills out the counselor report, you know, what the philosophy was behind homeschooling, what was the reason behind it. But yeah, I mean, that is one of the benefits or one of the advantages or one of the things that's appealing is, uh, yeah, student, you know, families can create sort of classes that aren't typically taught in public schools or, or most schools. And, and yeah, again, it, it's helpful to see what books are being used. Students can also submit a sample term paper my advice would be to submit something in the humanities, something in English or history, and not something related to science, because I want to be able to follow what you're saying. So, But again, it's interesting to see. I think it gives us a sense of, you know, can students not only write clearly, but also make an argument and use evidence to defend that argument, which is especially true in a history paper. I want to ask a little bit more about educational philosophy and kind of how you're reading that as an application reader. What is that tell you about, you know, the student or what is it that you're looking for when you're kind of looking through those educational philosophy descriptions? I like to think our process is holistic and, you know, we're looking for more than one or two data points. And I like to think the homeschool reading process is just super holistic. It's just, you know, twice as holistic as the regular process because, you know, deciding to pull your children out of the local school and teach them yourselves is a move that's not taken lightly, and it's usually done for specific reasons. And I find them interesting to know what, what those reasons are, like what is the philosophy guiding parents' decision to do that. I think it helps us evaluate the applicant. And I thought it's just interesting because, again, the reasons aren't uniform. They are different. And I guess it helps us understand 
the student and where they're coming from and kind of what their educational experience was. Because often it's like, you know, I think when families decide to homeschool, you know, it's the educational portion, sort of the pedagogy sitting down in the classroom and actually teaching is just a, an element of that. I think often families are thinking, you know, this will also lead to something else. So maybe you might see families saying, we want more time for educational field trips. We want more time for more individualistic projects, maybe more time for things like, you know, internships or jobs. And, you know, so they're usually thinking of the, you know, of the classwork as a piece of a bigger whole. Yeah, I like the fact that you mentioned some of those other experiences that can supplement a high school education and that being a possible reason for wanting to homeschool. Because being a homeschooled applicant doesn't put a student at a disadvantage for being admitted to a school, not at Bucknell at least, right? No, no, that's, you know, everyone has a story. It comes from a different walk of life. So it's, it's just interesting to find out what that is. But no, I think we try to treat homeschool applicants the same way we treat every other applicant. You know, the underlying question I always have is, you know, can the student do the work? Is there enough coursework and enough success in that coursework to convince me that the student can do the work? If the answer is yes, then the other elements of the application we can debate in committee. <laughs> and we do. <laughs> So, Ben, you mentioned a couple of things that homeschool students can do to make sure that you as the reader are aware of the type of curriculum that they pursued and even the philosophy behind why they pursued that curriculum. So how should a homeschool student go about handling something like recommendation letters? Who should submit those? Yeah, I mean, you know, we require a counselor recommendation and we require teacher recommendations. For a counselor, I would have the primary teacher, primary parent that's in charge of teaching, write that. And that may come as a surprise because usually people think, why would you want to hear from the parent of a child? Because the parent of the child has a unique advantage point of the child's education they've been witnessing for so long. Yes, it can be challenging to be nuanced when writing about your child. Obviously, you love them. You wouldn't be going through homeschool if you didn't. <laughs> That's a, that a tremendous commitment. I do find some parents are able to give us nuanced descriptions of their child's strengths and weaknesses. And I think those are always the ones that are the most useful because you get a sense of, okay, this is the kind of applicant we're getting. So, and that's also a common question, I guess. Like, what do I do for the counselor form? I didn't have a counselor. It's like, well, no, that's where you write. That's where your voice is important. Obviously, these letters are tough for everybody. They're certainly tough for professional counselors. I can imagine it'd be even more challenging writing about your own child. But it is an opportunity to talk about, you know, the work that you've been doing together. In terms of teacher recs, you know, sometimes, again, you know, there was a consortium and another parent taught in another subject. That's certainly welcome. You know, if the student took courses at local college, you know, that teacher or instructor professor is welcome to write a recommendation. You know, if you were the primary teacher, then, you know, you can certainly, you know, suggest people that, you know, maybe the child has, has worked with or interned with or played sports with or, you know, I think we're more open to recommendation letters at that point. Because again, we realize or recognize, you know, the kind of the unique circumstance that homeschooling really is and that there is not one size fits all when it comes to a homeschool applicant. Speaking of supplemental materials, plenty of schools are turning towards a test optional policy where they're not requiring students to submit SAT or ACT scores. In a homeschooling instance, I wonder, is taking an SAT or ACT possibly a good idea for a homeschool student who's looking to show that they are on par with you know their peers and other applicants to colleges? Well, you know, I think test optional is, as it indicates, the student has the option to submit testing. You know, I would probably submit testing if it's above 
not just above the mean, but probably above the, the 25th percentile of the school's profile. Yeah, I mean, that's a personal choice that the families have to make. I, I think some colleges would want to see that just to assuage whatever fears they may have. But yeah, I mean, that can be another data point. But again, you know, so many colleges are going test optional because looking at our own data, we're seeing that the test scores aren't really giving us a lot of predictive value. Yeah, I like the way you call them data points, Ben, and that you're looking for evidence that the student can do the work. I think sometimes people think admissions counselors are scary or don't have good intentions, but it sounds like you're really always looking for the best in every applicant that you read. You have to. I mean, that's the whole point of it. You know, we're not, everything for us is about getting the yes. Everything for us is about finding a reason to be advocates, finding a reason for us to say, yeah, this is an applicant we should consider. We do get strongly attached, I think, to the students that we feel like can do great work here. So, yeah, it is not an impersonal process, but I think we try to be as nuanced and as complex as possible in trying to say, well, you know, what may appear to be one way on the surface is actually something a little bit more interesting and more detailed if we scratch beneath that. And, you know, I, I think that's ultimately what makes selective admissions selective is that kind of human factor where you are going, well, wait a minute, let me, let's, let's, let's ask a couple of questions of what we're saying. It is people saying yes, that is the selection. Yeah, absolutely. And so college admissions counselors like yourself are just one of the many people that advocate for students in the process. And we touched upon parents a little bit, but I want to circle back to it because obviously they have an amplified role here than a student who might attend a public or private high school. And so given their role as the student's teacher in their education, how can parents work together with their student during the application process while still also leaving room for the student to shine, right? How you talk, you hear about helicopter parents or snowplow parents. How does a parent balance being both the student's primary educator and also be the parent throughout the process and allow the student to be the one that really shines? Yeah, I think that's a challenge that every family faces. I mean, right now I'm you know, where this is spring as we're recording this. So I'm currently on the road at college fairs and I can see juniors just starting the process, not really sure what to ask and parents kind of prodding and, you know, they're, they're, they're saying, no, no, ask that question that you had for us earlier. And then I see sophomores and I'm like, you guys are barely, <laughs> you barely know where all the classrooms are in your school. How can you be thinking about college at this point? So I think every parent struggles with how can I be involved in my child's college search process in a productive and healthy way? It may actually be easier if you're the homeschool situation. It may actually be easier if you have a more intimate knowledge of kind of the academic pedagogy, because I think the child is looking for that guidance. You would look for it, you know, in a public or private school setting from the teachers and counselors in your school. So I think it may actually be a little bit easier that they're like, no, we've already kind of been working on this process together. It would make sense for, you know, the parents to be involved. And, you know, even if someone works in it every day, it's been at least two decades since they've gone through the process themselves. So I think everyone always feels like, I think every parent always feels like, this landscape has completely shifted. I have no idea what's going on, and I'm not even sure what the goals are. So I think everyone feels a sense of bewilderment. I think how do you address that is first to say, look, okay, just acknowledge it, acknowledge the bewilderment, acknowledge the landscape, and then understand it is ultimately your child's process and helping them figure out, A, what their goals are, and B, what do they want out of the experience, and then C, trying to create a path to get there. 
So let's flip this around and talk about it, you know, firmly from the admission team's perspective. So Ben, we mentioned that you read all the homeschool applicants that come in to Bucknell. And so when you're going over these applications, what is it that you're looking for that really shows that an applicant can do the work? Kind of what specific things are jumping out at you that you're grabbing to say yes? Well, I mean, for me, strength of schedule is the most important thing. Grades for homeschool applicants, again, are usually pretty good because the nature of the work is you're not going to go on to the next lesson if your child doesn't understand what they're currently looking at. So strength of schedule, you like to see what we call solid classes, you know, like to see 20 of those at least, you know, your Englishes, your maths, your histories, your foreign languages, your science classes. You know, if someone's looking for something like engineering, you want to see good math preparation, at least pre-calc as a minimum, hopefully getting to calc. Having said that, don't want to rush through the math either. Want to see physics, want to see chem. But, you know, I think for any student, you want to see broad education, broad success in that education. But, you know, if a student has an opportunity to take dual enrollment courses at a local college, that'd be something that should be explored, especially, again, when you're trying for those language study, you know, foreign language study, lab sciences, you know, your upper level classes, especially when you start talking about maths and, you know, some of the advanced science classes, which can be hard to duplicate at home. That's definitely something you like to see on the transcript. And so outside of classes, knowing that college isn't only about labs and essays and solid courses, it's also a place where students can find and build community. What aspects of the application show you that a homeschooled student is ready to be a good fit in your college community? Well, you know, depth of extracurricular activities is important. And depending on where you are, I mean, some homeschool students are able to participate in, especially with varsity sports, the local sports teams at their local high school. I guess most famous is Tim Tebow, who used to play at the University of Florida, won a Heisman Trophy for them. So that's pretty good undergrad extracurricular activity. But you like to see the depth of activities. I'm always concerned with not just homeschool students, but with any applicant when they don't really have a lot of activities outside the classroom, especially given the nature of Bucknell being a residential campus. You know, we're looking for students that are smart enough to be able to be successful in the classroom and still have time and energy to be involved in campus life because they can't, they're not really leveraging what our strengths are. So you're looking at what are they doing outside the classroom? In terms of what those activities are, it doesn't really matter. They should just, you know, it could, we're talking, it could be a job. I'm a big fan of jobs. I, I think it teaches a lot of wonderful things. And plus, you know, who, who doesn't like getting paid? You know, varsity, club, inter, you know, sports, visual performing arts, religious life, service, you know, research. You know, there's a lot of things we're looking at. So I would list the activities that you spend the most time doing. I think the writing sample, i.e. the personal essay, becomes especially important because depending on the situation, that that may be one of the clearest sort of indications of, well, who are you? And kind of who are we getting? The essay is always the hardest part of the application. We're not a culture that goes around sort of writing personal essays on our own. This is not sort of a form of writing that we do on a daily basis. Talking about yourself to a complete stranger is just not something that most people feel comfortable with. But I think what we get out of the essay, besides a sense of, you know, can you communicate on a basic level, just, oh, learning something new about you. I have to think you form, you know, kind of your opinion of the applicant or your feeling toward the applicant based on your reaction to the personal essay. Where you feel like, oh, I've just had like a conversation with them and I've learned something new and I can, I think it helps humanize the applicant. It adds dimensionality to their application. 
which, you know, given, you know, 11,630 applications this year, that humanity can be a tremendous asset. I guess my overarching advice for homeschool applicants would be, you know, just one in doubt, just add it. <laughs> just give us as much as you can. Yeah. And there are plenty of opportunities, like you said, on the application to talk about all of the ways you've been able to kind of balance, you know, school and activities and all of these things that have, you know, made you the student that you are. And on that note, that's one of the big things that students have to deal with, with transitioning to college is, you know, orienting themselves in this new kind of work-life balance because, you know, there's classes, there's labs, there's, you know, getting dinner in a cafe with your friends and doing all of these activities. And it can be so different than, you know, the typical, what, eight to three high school experience, whether you've attended classes in person during high school or whether or not you've been a homeschool student. And so when the time comes, how can homeschool students manage that transition and make the most of their college experience? You know, I, I don't know if it's as big a transition as a lot of people think. I mean, because a lot of homeschool students, you know, they're doing social things outside the classroom. You know, they may be involved in the collective. They may be involved in an umbrella. So, you know, it can impact, frankly, the kinds of institutions homeschool students are looking at. You may have, I think a lot of the ones that we see in our pool are like, look, I'm kind of used to having sort of a one-on-one -on -one kind of a close relationship with instructors and I don't want to go to the big sort of auditorium style classroom. Some students will say the opposite, like, God, I'm sick of having only two people in my classroom. I want, I want to be in a room of thousands. So it can impact their expectations in a couple of ways. But I mean, our experience in my time here, I've been here 16 years, you know, homeschool students have done as well as anybody else has. I, I don't, you know, I think every college student, part of college is learning some life lessons and making the adjustments. And I think what we're finding for most students anyway is the biggest adjustment is not necessarily academic, you know, especially the students who are taking, you know, these AP laden and IB courses and dual enrollment, you know, the coursework I think they're getting. It's the social adjustment of just, okay, managing my day. But that's why you go to college, is to learn how to flourish in the real world. I mean, that's ultimately what we're preparing you for, beyond just the academic, beyond just, you know, filling your head with full of facts and figures, but also, how do I live? What's this in for? So, yeah, I think everyone has an adjustment. And I don't, like I said, but I don't think homeschool students have a tougher adjustment to college than students who've gone, you know, the quote-unquote quote more traditional route. Yeah, it's the next big transition stage for everybody. Well... I think this has been a really awesome full episode of College Admissions Insider. Thanks to Ben for lending his insight into this really important topic. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everybody out there listening. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to rate, subscribe, and share this episode with students and families in your life. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. In the meantime, send your questions, comments, and episode ideas to podcast at bucknell.edu. And finally, you're invited to follow Bucknell on your favorite social media apps. Just look for at BucknellU on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and now TikTok. You can also follow our student-run Instagram account, which is at I am Ray Bucknell. Until next time, keep on reaching for your dreams and your dream school.